Hi, I'm Cameron, and I don't just read comics, I love them. Today, my friends Alan Gomez and Ryan Skinner and I are going to, are going to be talking about the DC Comics two-year-long event, Doomsday Clock, by Jeff Johns and Gary Frank. We are going to be going into complete spoilers for this series, so consider yourself warned. And make sure to follow Cameron Reads Comics on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Maybe also go check out Alan and Ryan's Instagram pages, Pulp Fiction Comics Long Beach, and Casual Comicer as well. Now, here's your episode. One quick thing before it starts. We got into a conversation about Tim Drake right before we started recording. And then Ryan looked at me and said, shouldn't we be recording this? So you get a little couple, like I think seven extra minutes of Tim Drake Robin content, which if you know me, is my favorite thing. Now here's your episode. Before we get into Doomsday Clock, we're going to do a brief tangent on Tim Drake, and here we go. <laughs> there you go. So, also, I was going to say, though, not just comic book readers, but uh, cartoon watchers. Millions, millions of children. This is, goes back to the Green Lantern thing. You're like, what are you guys doing? You're doing Hal Jordan? I get that, like, the comic book people have decided that Hal Jordan is the default Green Lantern. And I know mean, he's not, yeah. And, I mean, that's fine, you know? But, like, millions of children don't know who the hell Hal Jordan is, or they're adults now, but when they were children... Green Lantern is Jon Stewart. Like, way more kids watch the Justice League cartoon than read any comic books. So, ditto for Tim Drake. He was Robin for most of Batman animated series uh, and, and all that jazz. Like, you know, they Tim had Drake Tim Drake right uh, for the first like a uh, couple seasons, but everything after that, they went they went over to Tim Drake. So yeah, and they, yeah. in the last season, which is the one I watched, so he's definitively. But even to your point too, a lot of people when they were picking up comics for the first time. It was Kyle Rayner as right. Green Lantern. That's like, true. I'm in the camp of Kyle Rayner. That's right. Because I, I, I for Cameron, I'm like over here like, ah, oh, John Stewart and Hal Jordan, and that's it. And you're like, what about Kyle Rayner? Oh, Kyle Rayner literally like uh, the Ron Mars, Daryl Banks. Like of all the things I want, I said in the last episode that I wanted a Green Arrow by Phil Hester. I want a Kyle Rayner by Daryl Banks. Kyle I wanted Tim Drake Batman. That's what I want. Okay. I want Tim Drake to become Batman. Well, we had Battle for the Cowl, and he was in the running, but <sighs> it didn't go that way. Uh, well, what about uh, his Red just, Robin? You ever read any Red Robin comics? I haven't read. Uh, yeah, how did that series do? <laughs> uh, actually, it's. It, it, I mean, yeah, are his, really are his cheeseburgers good? Very expensive, huh? Are his cheeseburgers good? Red Robin. <laughs> 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 Um, okay, so that, Tim, that's Tim, the only reason yeah, why we, I don't. We like all live Tim Drake here. Yeah. yeah. Hey, isn't yes. it Tim? Is it Tim? I think it's Tim Drake in that video game that's coming out. It is. There you go. It is. And you know why? Because what weapon is most associated with Tim Drake? Is it the Billy Club? No, that's the Billy, staff? Billy, Billy Club. Intellect. No, Billy Club is Nightwing, but not the staff. Tail, yeah. Yeah, both staff. Yeah, mm. definitely. That's always been Tim Drake's deal. Tim Drake's. And you know who redesigned the? Oh, one of my favorite comic pages of all time. The redesigned Robin costume in the first appearance of Tim Drake as Robin by Norm Brayfogle. Yeah. One of the best reveals of all time. One of the best costumes of all time. We gave him those little couple little shoulder things, oh. you know. and With the po- it was so 90s, but now so functional. Yeah. <laughs> he gave him pants. Yeah. Come on. Give him pants, yeah. Mm, you pants. know the best costume is, though? And that we only had a brief run of this is... Um, the the post infinite crisis black and red and they gave the tim drake robin cape uh the the yeah the the ends like the batman cape right. it there's a patrick gleason cover of the tim drake series robin also first robin to get a solo series it's fine yeah um <laughs> it's fine the brian bolin cover right yeah. no no it's a pat it's a pat gleason co- oh the brian bolin cover of the original yeah, that was a mini series yeah. and then there was a tom grummet oh, okay uh, with all by Chuck Dixon, greatest Batman writer of all time, and they had uh, eventually, I think it's issue one twenty five, a cover of him post Connor Kent death in in that costume, and now George Jimenez is because Tim has his own solo series now. Uh, George Jimenez did a cover of that costume, and it is so pretty, and I'm so excited. Tim Drake appreciation 
minute. Tim, if you can you hear right. us, we love you. <laughs> he can, and we do. <laughs> I literally am so excited that we went on this tangent. Yeah. Because that it's you can never talk about Tim Drake enough. Like yeah. I, he was because as the as comic book fans, we. As children reading and watching the, we we identify with Robin more than Batman. And when Tim Drake is our Robin, and then he's taken away from us, it's like, and especially Damien when he took him away. I remember when I first started going to Pulp Fiction, I hated Grant Morrison. Everybody hated Damien. I hated Damien. I, I still kind of hate Damien. There you go. You got to read the the, the Pat Gleason. No, I'll, I'll read it eventually, but until then, I still kind of hate Damien. It's like Batman Pearl was the only thing where it's like, oh wow, you realize you hate Damien because he's so much like his father, and it's yeah. like, oh wow, like, but he he, I hated Grant Morrison because he like dethroned uh, Tim Drake's Robin. Yeah, he had him beat the shit out of Tim Drake in that 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 issue. Oh, and it's like, yeah, he's a ninja boy. Like Damien yeah. literally, oh. League of Assassins. Like, yeah. yeah. It, it was it was sad, and then the the number one Damien panel of all time in that first issue, I think it's six ninety five, where he says, uh, "Oh my gosh," he says, "Don't be condescending, I'll break your face." <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh my gosh!" I, Grant Morrison, I'm pretty sure, went out of his way to make that character very unlikable, and he was trying to see if he could make you like him by the end of his run. Uh, it worked for me. Um, and it seemingly it worked for some other people too, because he's still sticking around. Um, but, uh, yeah, Damon's a little jerk. He's a little brat. That's his, you know, but you know, it was what made him like, I, I know kids like him or I've met kids like him. Yeah, and I, I think that's it. what makes me hate him more. <laughs> We're going to see him overcome it. We're going to see him grow out of it. Oh, or, you know, whatever. yeah. Yeah. You know, um, you haven't read the patch. He was mentioning the Tomasi Gleason, Batman and Robin. I stuff. haven't read that. It's really good. It is um, the single greatest of the new 52. It, re- it really does get to like, like Rob, uh, Damien is a broke. He's a, abused kid like he yeah league of shadows i mean just he's he's got problems the same way bruce has problems which is why we love dick grayson so much in nightwing because it's like oh he got out it looks like he's a pretty well-adjusted human being uh that i want to be friends with um but 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 damien not so much damien's yeah. a big old broken mess just like his dad so yeah um, but, and in one arc in like the second or first arc of the whole story it's it's damien um it's an Alfred and Bruce conversation, which reiterates why Alfred's my favorite. But Alfred says to Bruce, um, you know, you can tell him you're proud of him. And Bruce said, oh, I told him his work was commendable. As in, yeah. that's the same thing. And Alfred's yeah. like, that's not the same thing. And yeah. then he never gets to it. And then th- there's a really beautiful moment. And, and Bruce eventually says to Damien, like, I'm proud of you. And they hug and it's like the most intimate, beautiful thing ever. Oh, yeah. it's perfect. And Patrick Leeson is the only artist that could do that. Oh, I love it. Anyways. Anyways. Doomsday clock. We did, <laughs> we did like seven minutes <laughs> and that's bonus. Uh, so we've been trying to do this doomsday clock episode for a while. Uh, one of the biggest uh, DC events of all time. Um, I am. Oh my gosh. We even say who I'm here with. I am here with Ryan Skinner. Owner, manager of uh, Pulp Fiction Comics Long Beach. Uh, hello, Ryan. Thank you for having me. I am so glad to have you. Go follow at Pulp Fiction Comics Long Beach on Instagram. And I'm here with uh, Alan Gomez, a runner of the Casual Comicer, C-O-M-I-C-K-E-R, Instagram. Hi, Alan. Hello. N- glad to be here with both of you. Recording late night at the Pulp Fiction store in Long Beach. It's the best comic shop in the world. Aww. Um it really too bad. Too bad it's not live, so then we can have everyone watch us from outside. <laughs> yeah, and interrupt. And have ask. you guys seen any wonderful street people coming in and poking in their window? It no, happened. your windows are too tinted. I can't see outside. Yeah, they they still like to come through. I remember one <laughs> one time I was working here, like it, I was working for product or whatever, and so Ryan was like. Like a customer came in and he just farted in the store, <laughs> and then Andy, one of your workers, was just like, "Really, dude?" Yeah. <laughs> like, that's yeah. one of my most favorite memories. Oh, it's good. Um, okay, so before we get into Doomsday Clock, like Ryan, as a retailer, there was so much hype around this book. I remember yeah. you. Were, I remember when when you were at your old location, you were like, "Okay, one cover per person," because there's like three covers released. I remember the night of. Uh, I think it was uh, Jim. No, it wasn't Jim Lee. It was Scott Snyder and. Jeff Johns came to Midtown Comics and delivered pizza because they did a midnight release. Yeah. Uh, it was a huge deal. I remember saving the photo because I was like, I wish Jeff Johns would give me pizza. But, <laughs> but um, 
I wish uh, anyone would give me pizza. Yeah, I'm gonna uh, get pizza on the way home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good on you. <laughs> um, so. What, do you remember any uh, what that was like for you? Yeah, um, it was a big deal. Um, you have to go back to DC Rebirth special, the eighty page yeah. special. Um, great, great single issue. Yeah, uh, eighty pages, as as uh, mentioned on the cover. Um, <laughs> and uh, so we're coming out of the New Fifty Two, and things are New Fifty Two is huge, right? It was, it was so huge. big. That's right around the time I started working here, and. Um, bringing back lapsed readers, bringing back new readers. Yeah, brought me back. So, you know, but I think a lot of people look back and like there are things you certainly can pick out and you can say, this was good, this is a bright spot. But I think overall people were kind of like, man, so much potential, but a lot of style over substance, I think people said. Um, and uh, it just eventually kind of got to a point where, you know, they got it got too far away from people what, what they wanted from the core of their yeah. DC experience. So they call in Jeff Johns because he does the rebirth thing. He does Green Lantern rebirth. He does the Flash rebirth. This is my thing. This is what I do. Yeah. Um, and he does the 80-page DC rebirth special, which uh, by the end of it very clearly teases that not only are the Watchmen characters now a part of the DC universe – Dr. Manhattan is most likely responsible um, on, a, on, a, on a continuity level for, for, for things that maybe we didn't like yeah. so much about the new 52. And I remember reading think pieces about it and stuff. And um, I don't remember anymore who wrote yeah, these things. Course. So years credit, ago, credit where credit's ago. due, you know, but not my idea, somebody else's. But um, getting into the whole idea that by making Dr. Manhattan the like puppet master or whatever, you're, and and by pairing that with the idea that we're doing rebirth, we're trying to get back to DC Comics, back to their their cool. core, right? Um, was like saying we've been chasing after Watchmen since 1986. Watchmen came out in 1986, and it was a very dark superhero comic, deconstruction of superhero comic, and gets blamed, probably deservedly so, for all the comics getting super dark from the late 80s into the 90s and um because everybody's chasing after that like, well if you have a character that kills if you have a character if you have if you have rape in your comic if you have just you know just dark stuff real world stuff in general in your comic book that's the right thing to do because that's what Watchmen did and mm. you uh you got all that and it was kind of Jeff John's mission statement almost saying like DC Comics has been chasing after Watchmen too much yeah we are going to change course here um and uh and and i i thought that that was kind of on a meta level uh brilliant uh it was a brilliant move and it was big enough to get people's attention it was a big deal it was a big deal like okay you know it's funny too like i'm glad i have you both here because i feel like separately we all started talking about this book around the same time Ryan, you, I feel like you came in talking about this this series as a um, you just wanted to read it as a sequel to Watchmen. It's finally all released because there were so many delays as it was being printed. It was monthly, then it started getting delayed, then it became bi monthly, and then it could barely even meet that schedule. Uh, and I don't even put that on Gary Frank as much as I do Jeff Johns because he's writing for TV and doing a bunch of other things, coordinating the DC universe. Um, but. So, so we, you were reading it as a sequel to Watchmen and then Alan, you had just started picking up comics again and then you read the DC Rebirth special and then you read Flash the button and you're like, oh, I'm going to go pick up Doomsday Clock. And so, uh, how did it feel reading as, uh, you know, picking up from those events? Was it consistent? Was it not? Uh, I feel like for the most part, it kind of was, but there were... There were certain things where I feel like, you know, maybe I missed some issues here and there because there was, there was a few gaps in it that were never answered in Doomsday Clock. And so maybe they were answered in other Rebirth issues Probably. that I didn't pick up. That was the one annoying thing to me. Like, you know, I had read Watchmen years ago. And so, you know, it wasn't fresh in my mind. But uh, I I saw it as... Yeah, somewhat of a of a sequel, but then also like another sequel to these other DC Rebirth things, and um, I liked where it was going, but I guess because I missed some issues here and there uh, from the DC side, I kind of some stuff was left unanswered for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if this how well this could have picked up from where it left off from from how how big it came out, but I 
I did think it was pretty consistent. But before, again, we even get into this, I really want to talk about the legacy of Watchmen as a comic book because, and I said this before we started recording, but there is... I, I read a New Yorker cartoon years ago that resonated where every is a twenty something it's a bunch of twenty something males that have an opinion on David Foster Wallace and feel like they have to. I feel like everyone has an opinion on Watchmen. Um, Ryan, where would you say you stand on that? Is it as bombastic, as big, as medium defining as people make it out to be? Is it one hundred percent perfect? Is it infallible, or is it, or is is it actually kind of problematic or whatever? I think it's a perfect comic book. Um, I do. I, 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 I read it. Um, it got me into comics. So mm-hmm. um, I didn't start getting into books until I was like 17 or 18. Um, I was listening to a documentary on the History Channel. Uh, it was narrated by Keith David. Um, oh, really? Yeah, oh, really? awesome. Uh, shout out to Keith David. Nope for 15 minutes before he dies. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> Uh, it, it was like, and then in 1986, uh, Watchmen and the Dark Knight Returns came out yeah. and changed everything. And I'm like, well, I haven't read a superhero comic like since I was like 12. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, what's this all about? And I was like a literature major in college. Yeah. So I went and grabbed Watchmen, Dark Knight Returns, read them both in one weekend. Oh my and, gosh, what a weekend. Uh, wow. That did was, you do anything else? No, no, that's all I did. <laughs> I, I just read those um, and was changed forever. Um, so I know it's definitely in vogue. Here's my, I, I don't want to talk about this all night cause you could, right? So yeah. I, I, here's a quick anecdote. So I'll say this. I'm not busy. Uh, <laughs> I, I love movies too. I'm a big film nerd. Um, and I remember maybe not me, but a lot of other people around me that were also film nerds go through this thing where you're like Quentin Tarantino is somebody that he's a beacon. He like, yeah. he's like one of your earliest, like, wow, his stuff <clears throat> stands out and I like it, and he's one of those things that kind of brings you into it, and then maybe you discover more people through him, right? Yeah. And, uh, like, really early on. There's a lot of other people like that, too, like Sam Raimi or... I agree. Uh, and, and, um, and then, if you keep going, some people go through a phase where they're like, oh, he sucks. He's, you know, he just steals all his stuff from other people. And Everyone steals everything from everybody. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and they get all into, like, I don't know, they've gone, like, beyond... Tarantino. Um, and then I feel like people either keep doing that and then I think they become what I call pretentious. Um, and then, uh, or they come back or they go, what the hell was I talking about? Every time a Tarantino movie comes out, it's a miracle. They're incredibly entertaining with these dialogue and it's yeah, so much fun to watch. What was I thinking? Um, and I, I think people of, just want to be contrarians. I think, you know, and I think that's a part of when you kind of get like into it, you know, you, you start kind of feeling like contrarian makes you, more interesting or cooler. I don't know what, um, but I think the same thing happens with Alan Moore. And I think especially, you know, dark Knight returns and Watchmen. I yeah. think those are two things that are beacons. They or they bring people in and, um, and then sometimes people get like you were saying, like, Oh, let's look at how problematic it is. Let's look at this. Let's look at what things he said in public, you know, all these other things, you know, obviously, uh, Frank Miller is an easier one to pick on. <sighs> uh, but I, I, I think that these things on their own are still like amazing works of art. Mm-hmm. And um, Watchmen, not even just as a comic book, but like giving it to somebody and being like, what a wonderful way to explain to somebody what it was like in 1986, uh, what the world's like psyche would have been, what, you know, and how that still connects uh, to, to world events yeah. now. You know, um, I've not thought of it that way. Uh, I, because a lot of kids, you're like, oh, everybody should rewatch it. I'm like, not right away. Let's at least yeah, talk literally. about the Cold War and talk about yeah. like you know Vietnam Nixon. and like a few things like before we like get into it. Because if you don't know anything about that stuff, it's just, maybe it's gonna fly over your head. Um, like I was born in '84. This movie came. This yeah. book came out in '86. It didn't mean anything. I'm not an '80s kid. I'm a '90s kid. Yeah, yeah. So when I read Watchmen, I wish I was an '80s kid. <laughs> <laughs> when I read Watchmen, for me that was like I was seeing something. I almost like a world that I like. Is this the real world? Is this yeah. actually the real world? Yeah, right. That's like how I, that's like kind of came off to me at 18 year old Ryan. Um, that was a long winded answer. I, I, no, it's good. I, it's I, good. My, my short answer is yes, I'll fight you. It's that's all of fine. the things. I'll yeah. fight you. That's fine. Alan, what, what's your take on Watchmen? Oh man, that's, it's a big one. Yeah. It's, it's a lot to unpack. I don't even know if I can really have a take. It's more just, it's more just something to absorb. Like, I don't know when I, and also, you know, 
a note here. I haven't read this. I haven't read Watchmen in like ten years. Yeah. So, Same. so, uh, so trying to be back in you know ten years ago, me. Uh, yeah, it's just a lot to digest. There's, there, yeah, I don't know. It's it's just such a unique reading experience that it's just. I don't even know what I can say anymore. I don't want to say anything incorrect since I haven't read it in so long. But <laughs> yeah, I, I honestly, I'm kind of just listening to Ryan's answers, and I'm just like, wow, yeah, I, this, I, I agree. I read agree. it a lot, and I worshipped at the altar of yeah. Alan Moore. You know, yeah. I when people are getting into books, I, I again, people do start. They start with Alan Moore. They start with Neil Gaiman. They start with Graham yeah, Morris. And they start right, with right. Warren Ellis. They start with all these British guys. Oh, this British invasion was huge um, in terms of how it overturned. Um, I think that once you get into it more, you start reading more comic books, you start pushing artwork more. Yeah. Uh, you start pushing the art form more other than just like some, a comic book trying to be literature as opposed to a comic book just being a pure comic book. You move on from that. But I think that in the beginning, these things attract people for good reason. And um, uh, I, I still think Watchmen is unassailable. You mentioned a Brubaker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brubaker, multiple occasions, has said that Watchmen is a perfect comic book. That's what he goes back to when he's not sure about his writing. I love um, Brubaker. He, he, uh, it, it's it's a still amazing functional storytelling. Dave Gibbons' nine-panel grid is still... The most... I'd argue probably... In the I, medium I wise, love the nine-panel grid. I yeah. love that. In the medium-wise, I think the most influential thing about this book... Yeah. Uh, I... I, d- I never know how I, I like don't even know how to articulate how I feel about Watchmen because for me it's I I guess I'm there's the elitist where you're talking about where people want to say how perfect it is and I'm like I do think it's a, it's it's a it's a perfect book and I remember the first five times I read it because I was like oh I won't my fight you Cameron it was worshiping at the altar you. but for me Ryan's read it fifteen times yeah right yeah Ryan's I get he's cool with me man yeah. <laughs> um it's I've it's, read it like I've read it like five times I've it's it's like I read it once. <laughs> I just think that when I, I I guess I'm the most disgruntled when people are like I'm so into comic books and like they're only reading Frank Miller and Alan Moore and I'm like because you know who I think is I I think what book and I think I've said those this are, on those here those are the those are the hypes exactly and and like the, they deconstruct it and they make it so like whenever you want to give credibility to a comic book I'd, I'd give them those two and then I throw in Brian K Vaughn yeah because I'm like it, it just medium defying but I think that equivalently in a modern sense is Mark Russell. And I think the Snagglepuss Chronicles is as perfect. You're coming to watch me. He's coming out here with Snagglepuss Chronicles. I literally think Snagglepuss Chronicles. Hey, Mark Russell just won an Eisner. Uh, Rightfully. And like not even for a best writer, which I think is a disgrace, but I'm like, I think that is equally as powerful, but not talked about as much. And just as much a a deconstruction of the medium satirically. And like, I think that there's so much credibility that these guys are, that so many other people are putting to the medium that are being overlooked because Watchmen is Watchmen, and I, that's my issue. Let me let me let me say something about that. Yeah. So, um, I'm gonna go back to movies again because I like I like movies. It's so, great. It's great. Uh, um, I think it's the same thing with movies. Movies go straight to deconstruct deconstruction things, right? People go to Scorsese. They go to like yeah. they go to things that are like dark and edgy and you know whatever. Like that's that just brings people in, you know. But like, and I love that stuff. I still I still love that stuff. I love the new Joker movie. Of course, you know? of course. Okay, even though it was just that's what it was. It's it was a dark, Phillips, yeah. edgy movie, right? And that's you know. But I think there's a place for that. I love Taxi Driver. Um, however. Uh, and here we go. I'm going to take myself down a few pegs go for you. For it, okay. Go for it. Ask me what my favorite Wachowski movie is. What is your favorite Wachowski Speed movie? Speed Racer. <laughs> Speed Racer. Wait, I, uh, as in literally the, yeah, the literally. Emil Hirsch? Yep. Okay. Emil Hirsch Speed Racer movie. I think that that is a movie that wields joy and um, uh, spectacle and fun and uh, just dumb stuff. I mean, I'm all about that too. I love movies that are fun, but they don't have to be good. Perfect example is uh, Purple Rain. Terrible movie, amazing performances. Yeah, I've never seen Purple Rain. It's yes, take myself down a f- another few pegs. <laughs> no, hey, watch it for the musical performances. They're incredible. Is that on HBO? And not, uh, I Probably think it is. It is. I think it is. <laughs> but, but even Prince isn't even the only one who sings and performs. Yeah. And amazing performances, movie sucks. I'm not trying to say, by the way, Cameron, that uh, Snagglepuss or whatever is like a dumb thing. That, no, no, you know, I, I see I, what you're saying. I, my point is, is that uh, uh, edginess attracts yeah and i think that people 
either get stuck in that, like you were talking about, yeah. which also drives me crazy. I, I, as a comic book store owner and retailer, I also drives me crazy when people cannot get out of this edgy comic book. Well, mode. I think with edginess comes like this elitist vibe where mm-hmm. where you think because you're edgy that you're just like you have the superiority and that's probably why people stick in it that sucks um yeah but i think it's one part of the spectrum and um uh just the way Watchmen is amazing dc no frontier is amazing just the same yes. way uh you know this yeah. this new uh issue of superman space age that came out this week week i think is phenomenal written by mark russell anyways written by mark russell. yeah <laughs> and mike Alright, but i Yes, and and that, I think that's that's where we meet because I'm like it because I I just think people people feel as though comic book you know uh, uh you know the peak of comic book dumb the medium has it happened in 1986 right. and I'm like that is so untrue and, I agree and and and, and like ex- and we're on the same page and I don't think I need to articulate articulate more and also too I think that people think about. I think the crux of the story that irritates me the most is that I, I feel summarized the, the, the end of the Watchmen story is the point that whether or not humanity is worth saving. And the answer Alan Moore comes up with is no, no, I agree. And he's, a, he's and an and eternal pessimist. I, no, yeah. And, and that's I, my I, biggest grievance. And I am also in my darkest, darkest of hearts. Yeah. I, I am probably a pessimist, but um, I try every day to not be, um, but I would that's say a tough battle. Same. What's that? I said that's a tough battle. Same. I, I would say a real quick thing. If you feel that way about Alan Moore and you haven't read it yet, read Top Ten. Uh, uh, you top, said yeah. Top, top Ten is funny. It's full of heart and very life yeah. affirming. That being said, most of Alan Moore stuff is not exactly. Um, exactly. And I, I would agree. I think Watchmen is not a humanity is going to make it or like course, any yeah. kind of positive thing. Which actually is a good kind of Doomsday Clock is a very yeah, much that, an that's answer. That's a good segue into an answer that. to Watchmen <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. In, in a lot of ways. So I, I like them both for those reasons for the, the different things that they're doing. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So I, that and that's that's one like going on more because I feel like so many people only lot it and I and I'm not saying it's problematic because I do think you know the doors that opened the the the, the walls that broke down um but i also and, and even on top of all that as we get into doomsday clock i want to say my favorite thing alan moore did was the single greatest superman issue ever superman for the Annual. man who has everything what do you was it no. for the man who has everything yeah, yeah. i think that is i think alan, that is alan moore's single greatest comic book issue of all time and it's a superman story that he does well where it's like i choose humanity you know uh, it was one i give up everything so that i can save i wish you would read top 10 I will. I will. When you know, I think I have, it's going to change your whole top, vibe. I have on top ten. Someone loaned it to me, yeah. and I haven't read it yet, but I have it. So on now my that's bookshelf. it's going to change your whole perspective on that guy. Good. I like Alan Moore, and I still am due to read his Swamp Thing run. Which no, I, well, Swamp Thing is life affirming in some ways too, but it's also pretty dark. <laughs> I'm, I'm just down for the vertigo ness yeah, of it all. Yeah, yeah. But like, I'm like, I'm gonna, you know, in, in the same way, like I think Grant Morrison walks that line. All Star Superman, you yeah. know, where it's a little All-Star, bit of both. All Star Superman's incredible. It's like the single greatest Superman. By the way, ask me what's better. Watchmen or uh, Fant- uh, Al Moore's Swamp Thing Run? Well, what's better, Al Moore? Al Moore's Swamp Thing Run. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and and that's why I think you and I have talked about doing Miracle Man because I'm yeah. still due to do Miracle Man. Yeah. Anyways, um, All right, sorry, sorry. Going? No, you're good. You're good. I started that. Uh, so Doomsday Clock. Okay, so going into <laughs> Doomsday Clock, how do we feel about Jeff Johns' attempt to replicate Alan Moore's voice? Because that's what stuck out to me most that's a good in the first. first that's what stuck out to me most in the first issue. Alan, you're ready to talk. Go yeah, for it. I, I'm ready. So I kind of, at second thought, I don't know if he's directly trying to replicate Alan Moore's voice. I think more what he's doing is just, I don't know if this is just me, but I think he's just taking what Alan Moore established and then making like a really... I don't know, I want to be careful of saying this, but I feel like he turned it into kind of this experimental exploration into um, his characters, to Alan Moore's characters, and then also into the DC world with with this big crossover. Because mm-hmm. it seems like... And then even adding the new characters, you know? Um, uh, what is it? Mime and Marionette. And, yeah. And, yeah, which, honestly, I love those characters. They were they were great. I think one of the reasons that got me into it was Ryan talking about Mime and Marionette via uh, Gary Frank's art and how able he was, how, how he was able to uh, visualize them. You know when, what I'm talking about, when she has the string in her hands and she separates them. Will you? <clears throat> I want you to describe it. Yeah. 
Uh, well, first, before I do that, I want to say, Alan, I think you're really onto something there um, because I, I feel kind of similarly. I feel like he, I feel like Jeff Johns respects Watchmen. I think he respects a lot of other superhero comics a lot more. Mm. Um, and I think that he is more interested in his DC characters and the characters that he created uh, more so than the actual Alan Moore characters, um, which I don't think he's being disrespectful or anything like that. I just think that he's just not as interested in them. Um, so I don't know. If that I, was I also, quite what I also you were think across, it, it's probably also he doesn't want to tarnish them. I think that's also part of it too. It's too little too. No, I don't want to say scared. That's like <laughs> makes it. Uh, but I kind of agree. Like comedian, I'm like. Ugh. Good luck, yeah. I, what did you? I mean, I'm not I'm not bad, but it was just kind of like a. This was a very op- broad strokes, I think, version of this character, yeah, uh, with no nuance at all whatsoever. That yeah, that's true. He was very he he was very one dimensional in this one. I mean, in the con- I mean, I'm not saying like, oh, I'm team comedian. He's a monster. <laughs> yeah, um, literally, the problematic parts of the Watchmen right. is comedian. I, yeah, I, I'm gonna already get myself in trouble, but I mean, but he's a. I I do think he's a nuanced character. He really uh, is. I that's think he's not... supposed to represent a lot of things about humanity that I I don't know that Jeff Johns is even caring about jeff johns was just kind of like oh last time this time this like that was kind of like yeah. all i really got from him mm-hmm. um ozymandias is essentially just he was just like oh he's he's this version he's this world's lex Luthor, um which yeah. you know that's fine but i think there was a little bit more to it than that but that's okay also um, we can go into full spoilers if you guys just make oh, sure i certainly clear. hope so yeah okay cool yeah. <laughs> um but i think mime and marionette and uh the new rorschach i think also um were standout characters I, yeah i really liked the way like the backstory of the new Rorschach. Yeah. That was really cool. Those are the things that were most interesting yeah. to me. Now and I also, forgot which I, I, love the, I, I wanted to give him credit oh, for his, his No, comments. that's great. <laughs> I was I, asking you how well you you're there. Well, yeah. how how uh Mime and Marionette were the bridge. Yeah, so Mime and Marionette, that's how you get introduced essentially, I feel like. I mean, you're you're getting So imagine that first issue. Now it's been a few weeks since I've read it, right? So I'm, you know, yeah. going off memory here, but um first thing you're seeing is Rorschach, I think. Yeah. Um so It's his narration. And you don't know anything i mean but you've read Watchmen, so you're like he's dead yeah. right so um, spoiler for or maybe this is out. oh great now i'll <laughs> never read Watchmen. Yeah. possibly this is taking place before i don't know you no, know uh, who knows um but then we get mime and marionette what a wonderful usually in storytelling and screenwriting whatever you give somebody a new character for people to kind of um uh give people perspective right like so you they're discovering a new world through the eyes of this character that also doesn't know that world right yeah. so mime and marionette are these crazy fucked up versions of that for us um because while they're right at home in the watchman universe we're about to see them discover the dc universe right yeah. um and i think they're just treasures um the whole reason i read doomsday clock at all to begin with was because we have a new book coming out right now it's up to issue four flashpoint beyond yeah uh, Jeff Johns is seemingly back. He's doing this. He's also doing. Um, he has some JSA book that's supposed to come out whenever. Maybe it's just that. I feel like there was something else he has name on. But you doing it. Geiger that we were talking about? Yeah, earlier. but that's over at Image. So I, I was just interested with everything that's going on with Jeff Johns and all his drama and all the DC Warner Brothers and all that kind of stuff. It's just like, oh, is, I mean, I, he doesn't. It's not Club Jeff Johns anymore. He had that's, almost complete sway seemingly over yep. or, or over DC editorial. Uh, now, not so much. But the idea that here's Flashpoint Beyond, and I kind of thought Doomsday Clock was just sort of a like, oh, we did that, we're moving on. Yeah. <laughs> like, it took so long to come out. Um, people were definitely kind of like, uh, like by the end of it. And it didn't seem to make an impact on the DC universe the way people thought it was going to. Yeah. And... I was very surprised when I flipped open Ishin Zero, Flashpoint Beyond, and the very first thing you see is Mime and Marionette. I'm like, oh, we're not giving this up yet. That's great. I am glad to hear that because I didn't know because I would love to see a lot more Mime and Marionette. I really want them to have their own series. They're great. Yeah, even if it's like a one-shot, like I think they have so much potential. And a side note, when you were talking about uh, Marionette's string thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I loved Mime's weapons. Yeah. Oh, like so I love cool. yeah, <laughs> that was amazing. And I love too that uh, that one scene when uh, he's opening up the locker with his weapons, and uh, I forget who's with him. Is it a comedian like, or is it Ozymandias? No, it's Rorschach. It's when they're coming out of the prison, so it's yeah. Rorschach. And, oh, it's Rorschach. And, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, he opens the locker, and it, like, looks empty. And yeah. you're like, oh, someone yeah. must have emptied out your locker. And then he, like, yeah. starts taking them, and you think he's just messing with them. 
And then, yeah, later on when he, he like, pulls out a gun and it, like, shoots. oh, dude. Oh, my God. I loved it. I loved those two characters. Those were my favorite parts of this book. So to try to bring it back to your question. I was oh, like, yeah. Sorry. Despite, whatever, despite what you feel about the actual story and how you feel Jeff Johns did with this idea, I don't think you can say anything negative about Gary Frank. I, I think oh, Gary yeah. Frank, um, he, he goes into the nine-panel structure, but doesn't do it like Dave Gibbons at all. I think he makes it his own. Um and uh, Gary Frank is just, I, I think, a really great artist. Yeah. He communicates action really well. He communicates mm-hmm. uh, 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 facial expressions really well. And um, and I, I think it was a very good choice uh, to do this book. I'm trying to imagine another artist, I think, um, and I, I it's hard for you to imagine him. I think not that Gary or uh, Dave Gibbons has like you know passed on. He's been doing a lot of stuff for DC, but I I just I think that the the true modern. Uh, you know, person to pick up the torch is uh, Gary Frank. And yeah. I like when I, I, I'm, I'm hard. It's hard not to say that I think he is the pinnacle DC universe artist. I think there's maybe a couple other names, you know, there's a Darwin, Darwin Cook, <laughs> that Darwin Cook, even Tim sale. Tim sale uh, yeah. But uh, I think uh, oh, yeah. it's too, too soon, too soon. but yeah. for, for the last two names we said actually, but Gary Frank, um, uh, I think that he he was the one who who got me more into this book than Jeff Johns did. Uh, yeah. Based on you know his and oh my gosh the covers the the uh, the pre five G covers that he did for like the the uh, death metal variants. Oh my gosh, the single greatest covers of all time. Anyways, um, yeah. So we, I think when we started talking about this book, it was oh how how's Jeff Johns doing? Like is is he? Because I remember reading the first issue and just being like meh. Like okay, like is this? Yeah, it's, a, it's a little slow start. It, yeah. I think it takes a little bit to to really pick up. I think the first issue of Watchmen is a pretty slow start. I mean, I I I mean, it's a lot of world building. So. That's what I. No. That's kind of I guess what I'm getting at. I, the really tough task with this book with Jeff Johns is like making it feel like Watchmen. That's hard. Yeah. Uh, you have to make it feel like. Uh, not dystopian. That's the wrong word. But you have to constantly feel like the world might end. Um, and I thought that again, back to Gary Frank again, I think he did an amazing job of making you feel like everything was just teetering on the brink. Um, and, uh, Jeff Johns, I think is mostly successful, but there is some stuff like he, he, he's trying to like in the original book, do all the supplemental things. It's too much. Yeah, I, I didn't read much. those. Uh, I didn't read the, those just like uh, I didn't read them in the original. And, and I, I I also skipped over all of the noir scenes. Sorry. Yeah. Um, I uh, oh I read those. Yeah, that's fine. Good for you. You know, I didn't need to because eventually I got to the point and yeah. <laughs> I understood who who he is and what that was all about, and I didn't need to know the rest of it. That's um, so I, I I think some of that stuff with Jeff Johns was was he's he's trying. I I think he's mostly succeeding as evoking uh, Watchmen, um, but not 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 a hundred percent successful. Oh my gosh! Okay, we've gone through we've gone through a lot of my questions actually, and I didn't even look at my notes. That's how into it I was. Um, how do we feel this book was as a DC event? Great, actually, really, yeah, not perfect. Again, for me, you're talking to a retailer, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and you're talking to that somebody that's like about yeah. the zeitgeist of of comic books and stuff, and um, you know, a big part of comic books, especially in the mainstream books, is spectacle, and it's like. You do need to like people get sick of it if you do it all the time. It's kind of like if you if you constantly are blowing an air horn, you know, it's not going right. to sh- shock you anymore. Or you're just going to be annoyed. Um, I used to live in the flight path of John Wayne Airport. So. There you go. Exactly. Yeah. We're in Chicago. We were like, this place would be great, and we listen to the trains go by. Like after like you know half an hour eating lunch, and we're like, never mind. I don't need beer. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, yeah. So however, I still think that's a part of the business. I think it's a part of the art form. I think it's part of the culture. Mm-hmm. There's a few things that I can think of that are bigger swings than. I know what I'm going to do to move DC books. I'm going to bring the Watchmen characters oh, into the DC universe. That's that is a big swing. That is a big like Babe Ruth pointing your finger out into the uh, uh, yeah. the stands uh, before you get the pitch. Um, so even on just that level, I got to respect it. Um, yeah, that's a pretty. That's probably before when he even first started thinking about it. Not even considering it when he first started having the thought of doing doomsday clock yeah it was it had to have been daunting the cojones yeah. you know to that that's uh that's something else man you're gonna take a sacred cow and you're gonna go play with it but i think that you needed to do that 
I think if you're going to do, I think if you're going to do a sequel to Watchmen and you just tried to do Watchmen again, yeah, man, you are that's oh you, yeah. You talk about traps to fall into. That's a big one. Yeah, at least at the very least with this, you get you can you might get lost in the spectacle. So. Mm-hmm. The idea that um, I'm going to do the only way to do any a sequel to Watchmen, the only thing to do anything big enough is to bring in Superman. I mean, I can't fault him for thinking that. Alan, how did you feel about this book as compared to the other events that you've read? Because you're coming off the tales of also reading uh, Spider-Verse. Yeah. This is, this is you know, I'd, I'd say as big of a spectacle as something like Spider-Verse. So how did it feel? You know, you have the flavor of an event book in your mouth. Yeah, I... I would say, going back to what I said before about him getting really kind of experimental with with characters on both sides, mm-hmm. I I did like the risks that he took where even um, like Dr. Manhattan changing um, courses of history throughout the different parts of the book and stuff like that. Like it, you know whether whether people liked it or hated it like it was really cool to just see those kind of ideas and you know like ryan said too i really um yeah i really have to respect the chances that he took on the book um and yeah i do kind of read this as more of a dc book rather than a watchman book because it's like yeah it's watchman because the characters are there but it's it's an entirely new world. And then they venture into the DC universe rather than just sticking in the Watchmen world. Did we mention yeah. I'm a retailer? We mentioned that, right? Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I had a lot of copies of Doomsday Clock. Um, I got very excited about Flashpoint. I thought the Flashpoint Beyond was going to be like, oh my God, Jeff Johns is back and he's playing with things. This is going to be big. These are all I better toys get, that I better his, get ready. Yeah. So I ordered a whole bunch of Doomsday Clock and Watchmen and you'll see Flashpoint over there and then Flashpoint Batman, uh, that, that three-issue miniseries by Azzarello and uh, uh, Eduardo Rizzo. Um, oh, that's what it's, that's a reprint of that? Okay. That's what that is, yeah. Uh, okay. And so um, I'm, so I'm getting into this mode where I'm like, let's, Doomsday Clock sequel to Watchmen. Okay, that's what it is. Like we're gonna get people to read this book. I also felt like people owed it to themselves because it took so long to come out. Nobody. Yeah. I guarantee you, most people you talk to have not actually like finished it. They I, maybe read the first few issues because yeah, it fell off, and that's on DC. Frankly. Absolutely, one hundred percent. I'm not trying to you know whatever. No, you're right. But I but I feel like it's something people should check out. Just the same way I think people should read Dark Knight Strikes again. Even though, oh. even even despite like what you've heard about it or whatever, like you I've should read it. <laughs> you should still read it. And actually, you know what you should do? Then you should go Fat Man on Batman with uh, Grant Morrison and listen to him talk about it for ten minutes. I would gladly, I'd gladly do that because he's Grant Morrison. Will always give you a different perspective. He'll exa- he'll he'll he's the only one who would ever be able to justify that book. Right. So there's no one more qualified. I think though I'm agreeing with Alan um, because it gets you in. I'm trying to get people in by saying it's a sequel to Watchmen, but really what it is 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 an affirmation of the DC universe uh, yeah. and a rejection. A re- I think yeah. a rejection yeah. uh, of of the Watchmen universe. And that's to, to what I to, to I mean, my yeah, point. They, that's kind of true because yeah, they leave the Watchmen universe. They and, do, and the it's and gone, that's, and that's pretty early <laughs> on. And they're they're in DC. It's yeah, it's Watchmen characters in the DC universe. That's not that's not the other way around, right? Yeah, and and I think like in, in my bias, I think that's where this book went right because you know it, it's it's rejecting the is humanity worth saving, and then they bring in Superman. And, and, and Jeff Johns is Superman. Particularly, it, it's more of the Jeff Johns, Gary Frank Superman, you know, where he's just so good. He's Christopher Reeve. He, he very much, very much so. And, like, that's what this book needed, and that's what kept me in and, and made me enjoy it a lot more than I thought I would have. It's a stealth book that way, right? Because, yeah. like, I almost kind of, you know, me and my little punk rock universe where I, I, I want to, I, what I really want to start doing is taking graphic novels and putting them together in little sections. Yeah, yeah. And I don't do it because Annie doesn't know how to look for books. <laughs> she's like, because if he comes in, somebody says, I want this thing. She's going to be like, Ryan, what the hell? I got a, she, got a kaiju corner and yeah. what the hell are you doing? But if I had like a Superman like best ofs and stuff like that, yeah. I don't know, man. I Part of me kind of wants to put that in there because it's like he's Justified. barely in the book. Yeah. It's not a Superman book, but at the end of the day, isn't it? I, That's one of the most Superman affirming uh, books I've ever read. Oh, and especially even even to the point of the back covers of Doomsday Clock. Do you remember the 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 slow? Right. Yeah. So it's the Doomsday Clock ever. It, it's ticking, and then you know by uh, eleven, 
you see because the back of the cover, the back cover usually which is for ads it's the superman cape yeah which i thought was like i remember when i saw issue 11 i was like oh that is so freaking cool yeah uh yes just to your point i'm like i'm like i think it's a superman heavy book uh so going off that though when, when as it's bringing those elements do you think it landed do you think it it, uh, it it landed the plane that it, it tried to take off on? Can you land a plane even though you've had a really shaky flight and, you know, didn't maybe have the best actual flight? But, hey, yes. any, any landing is a good landing. A lot of turbulence. Um, I, I would say that I think that it did. I think, I guess, more 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 aptly, do you think it, it, uh, it pulled it off? It depends on what you're talking about in terms of pulling it off. I think that the story, it pulled it off. I think as a, at a meta level, what it tried to accomplish in the comic book culture, uh, it did not. It took too long to come out. Uh, yeah. Not enough people read it, and it didn't have, it could have. I'm telling you. If that right. thing. The problem is that they were so stuck on the format. They wanted the 12 issues. They wanted the knife. First of all, Maybe it is the same exact amount of pages as Watchmen. I'm not sure, but that feels longer. Um, it was it, they were longer issues than your standard twelve. Like, but Alan Moore is long winded, but oh, Alan Moore is a really good writer. Uh, Jeff Johns is long winded yeah. and not, I don't think, as good of a writer. So, of but he, he, that's I think not a hot take. He's, by the way. Fi- he's filling in this book. He's filling in twelve issues of stuff, and he's giving you all these subplots. He's giving you the actor plot and the noir thing. He's giving you the uh, JSA uh, character. He's giving all these different things. The same way Watchmen was, and build it all together. But just on paper, if it was just a literally like Doctor Manhattan versus Superman man story um and you somehow managed to do that and make it less uh full of stuff that you had to wade through and then it would be a more perfect book i don't know how to explain it no um i i kind of i kind of feel that you know i i get what you're trying to say yeah. and i i kind of wish that was the book <laughs> i i think that if they and they've done it in a timely fashion this using watchmen to affirm what jeff john's loves about the DC universe yeah. and what he w- wants everybody else to also love about the DC universe to try to tap into that and kind of, kind of in his almost sleazy way uses Watchmen yeah. to do that. But he, if he had done it in a more timely fashion, I, I, I think it would have, I think it would have gotten there. Yeah. But See, I was, I was, I was, I was late to the party. I actually had not heard of doomsday clock until it was in graphic novel format. Yeah. And so I just read it all in one sitting. Right. I'm no, me too. so jealous. Yeah, I mean, I read the first issue when it came out, and I went, ooh, what's, what are they doing? I don't know. Um, yeah. I remember being very – by the way, I should mention, context-wise, I was very anti the idea of anybody ever doing anything with Watchmen ever. I think I, I, think I, I was too. I, I, I'm not saying I'm no longer a pretentious person. I'm sure I am. <laughs> but I, I, I can tell you for a fact that I used to be a lot more pretentious. Mm-hmm. And um, I was one of these guys that you were talking about in terms of like the, the Watchmen guys. And I it took me a while before I got to a point where I went, <laughs> Alan Moore took these characters away from Steve Ditko. Uh, Alan Moore took these characters from Charlton. He took some characters that he saw some potential and did whatever the hell he wanted with. Yeah. If Alan Moore gets to take somebody else's toys and play with them, why the hell can't Jeff Johns and Gary Frank take uh, uh, Alan Moore's toys and go play with them? I, so that's I'm the way I feel about that. Does I that, But that wasn't the way I felt about it initially. It's, I'm, I think one of the greatest DC editorial decisions of all time was to not let him use the Charleston characters. Yeah. Like... I, I, for those that don't know, the Charleston characters are, you know, they think of think of Rorschach as the question, yep. Peacemaker as the comedian, yep. um, uh, Blue Beetle as Night Owl, uh, Black Canary as Silk Spectre, and uh, Captain Adam as Doctor Manhattan. That's literally the Charleston characters. Uh, uh, that's what Jeff or uh, Alan Moore was trying to do with Watchmen, and DC said no, and then he just recreated them as such. And now we have both, and I think that's totally okay and perfect. So I think I think you're I think that's an apt point. In an alternate universe, we have the other. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah and exactly. I kind of want to read that book too. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking about it as we were talking earlier, and I'm like, I really think there should just be a Charleston comics, like just like a team book. You know. You know, somebody's gonna do that. They're gonna do it. They're gonna do a what if Watchmen, but with actually the Charleston characters. I'm and, like, or just like let's do a ragtag DC book of yeah. just called like whatever. Like I think of the. I mean, Champions. DC has Elseworlds, so yeah. they can do whatever they want. Yeah. yeah. 
I'm like, but will they? Who knows? Who knows? Makes money, they'll do it. Especially yeah. with Peacemaker being Peacemaker right now. But anyways, um, I'm like, I'm so, I'm so hung up on, on, on the Watchmen of it all of this book. Uh, Alan, what was your favorite moment, uh, of this book of the story? Honestly, I really, I really liked the the origin of Mime and Marionette. Mm-hmm. I think they had. And I've told you this a ton of time. I like I'm I just gravitate to trauma. Oh yeah. Uh, you were saying that on the line, Yeah. So. I mean, I feel like all of us we've experienced our own versions of trauma. Um and so I really think that yeah, their their trauma and their like um their bond from childhood all the way until you know, when this book is going on is like, it's pretty nuts. Like Mm -hmm. that I think was my favorite part seeing not only just the characters, but seeing them together and how they are together and who they are to each other Yeah, and their origin. Them. I I feel like that was actually one of the strengths about this book uh, when I was done with it was that it did take its time. You know what I mean? It didn't, it didn't try and rush it. And I think with that exceptional time with the noir stuff and mime and marionette, I was like, Oh wow, this is actually really, it took it could have took a little less time on some of the other stuff. I, <laughs> I disagree. No, <laughs> not with that. That was great. <clears throat> yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, but but some of the other stuff. I, I I think you're probably right in in the entirety of the book. But I was like, ooh, like that. The yeah, payoff, they, it had some slow parts. Yeah, the but payoff we got was like, Mime and Marionette. No, there. Oh, that was. I want to see more. Like I haven't had enough. You have a Flashpoint Beyond, and they right. even have okay. Flashpoint okay. Beyond number one. Guys, uh, stop yelling at me. I'm <laughs> right here. <laughs> um, Ryan, favorite moment? Uh, can I do a few? Is that okay? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll I be, have. I'll be brief. You can do. You can do whatever you want. I'll be I brief. have two. Yeah. Um, so I, the first issue, actually, I, I remember just the first issue coming out. It was just very unique to be like, "What the hell is he gonna do? What the f- who the fuck do these people think they are?" Right. Um, and uh, and then being just like, "I'm intrigued. I don't know what's going on." I don't know who this Rorschach is. He showed that his hand was black. I don't know what's going on. And uh, Mime and Marion, I don't know who these people are, but they're pretty neat. Okay, fine. I'm along for the rides. The first issue. Um, then also the um, Dr. Manhattan discovering the metaverse, I think was really cool. I won't put it quite on par with the actual Dr. Manhattan issue from Watchmen, mm-hmm. but it's a good-ass attempt. I uh, have the do- oh, You guys sold me the Dr. Manhattan issue. Yeah. Uh, the well, really? You guys had you didn't have the full set. Yeah, I didn't you have had, the full set. <laughs> you had number one, and you had that issue, and I bought both. Oh, nice! Because those are the only two issues I want. That's very important. Um, I I think the metaverse stuff was really cool. We're talking about ideas. I think the idea that the de- that the that Superman is at the center of everything, um, and uh, the the metaverse I thought was a very Grant Morrison era uh level. I mean, uh, idea. Um, and also I promise I'm not just stalling for time. I had things I want to talk about. Um, the super, just the actual conclusion, Superman coming in at the last minute, he's like, I'm catching up. I don't know exactly what's going on, but I'm Superman. So I'm going to try to save everybody. Um, and, uh, and him just being like randomly seeing Dr. Manhattan and be like, will you help? You're blue. You can probably do something (laughs) like, yeah. Um, and, uh, ah, um, I want to also say, as much as I wasn't always into Jeff Johns's um, take, not bad, but just kind of like him writing the actual Alan Moore characters, it always felt like a breath of fresh air whenever he got into an actual DC character. And yeah. it felt like all of a sudden he's like, all right, cracks his knuckles. Yeah, you're you know, right. he's like, I get to write Joker now for a few pages, or I get to write Lex Luthor for a few pages. Love Lex Luthor just being like figuring it out. I mean, he's such, you know, but like I found all these photographs and all, all this kind of like that was such yeah, a, him having all of the photographs. I love that. That that was such a neat thing because it's like that would never happen in the Watchmen universe. That's too far fetched for the Watchmen universe. But the DC universe is the DC universe. Yeah. So the, what a perfect encapsulation of how Lex Luthor would actually react to these kind of like little intrusions from this other things so i forgot about the photographs but yeah, yeah that was no that, that was, was cool. you're right um and then for me i have two and uh again i'm, I'm just on the superman comic book side of it all where it's like yes humanity is worth saving <laughs> and i think not, i think the 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 one that really drew me back into the book was the superman firestorm moment oh yeah where yeah. he's like 
oh, you can control your powers. Yeah. And like a Martin Stein, I don't know how much I like the Martin Stein being like a villain in this story yeah. or whatever. Yeah, I, I was because he he's a bit softer than that. Yeah, he's he's a good guy. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm like I'm like Martin Stein like th- them kind of villainizing him. I don't know how I felt about that, but but Superman showing Firestorm that. Like, hey, like, just breathe, you know, because because, you know, we've seen it a million times over him trying to figure out his powers. Perfect scene. And then even even I think the perfect tragedy of it all when like Russia is not a lot like they start breaking the, the people that were glass or whatever. I was like, oh, that that was really perfect. And it was just the perfect touch of Alan Moore, the perfect Alan Moore tragedy of it. Uh, and then for me, more than anything, uh, I think I it's getting there, but my favorite DC team being the JSA. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Then bringing in not only just like Johnny Thunder, but then reminding Johnny that he is Jakeem Thunder's Thunderbolt. Uh, perfect. Uh, the, the, that, that big splash page, I, I think issue 11 where they're all coming back together and, and oh my gosh. And, and black Adam and this and Superman, you know, that those conversations was like perfect because uh, Superman being the motivating factor to convince Dr. Manhattan that, uh, humanity is worth it. it was perfect and the the watchman of it all of dr manhattan saying i moved alan moore's uh lantern you know just uh, two inches over right and he didn't reach it and then all of this stuff happened i'm like oh that was so good because i love alan moore so or alan scott so much uh so good so oh, he describes the dc universe as like a um like it has its own like white blood cells. Yeah. Like, oh, that was so cool, man. It was just like, it doesn't matter what you throw at this universe. It corrects itself. Yeah. It, it corrects itself with hope. Why? What? Superman. Who the hell is this guy? That stuff was, I, I don't know, man. I, I, I respect the hell out of this book. I know? really, I don't think it started. So let's go to the last question. And I, I don't think it started as strongly as it ended, Yeah. but that is the, what I prefer in a story, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? You always want to end well. Yeah. D- d- if, if it starts strong and then fades, uh, but if it starts, uh, and then ends strong, I'm down. So, uh, Ryan, what would you rate this out of 10? Oh, geez. I don't like doing that. That's um, my favorite scale. Uh, I'm going to think about I, I mine a, while I he's a, talking. I need a scale here. So if, if like, t- I already said that Watchmen <clears throat> is a perfect combo. So I'll go ahead and say that's a 10. Okay, my my scale is no always, no no. I'm not saying this is oh for your scale. Yeah, for yeah. my for my ten scale, everyone. Some people think they're like, oh, I can never say ten because that has to be the number one thing of all time ever, and nothing can ever be a ten. You can have more than one ten. I also think I have a few tens. Yeah, I think Exit Stage Last <laughs> Snagglepuss is a ten, and I also think Unbeatable Squirrel Girl beats out the Marvel Universe is a ten. I'm changing my answer. So because I've already said I am coming down where I'm saying Watchmen is a deconstructionist. Um, I would say ultimately cynical yeah. view of humanity. I'm not going to judge it on that scale. Okay. I'm going to judge it on life affirmation and Superman affirmation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to judge it against All Star Superman, which is still my that's all a time, fair all yeah. my all time favorite Superman book that like, I've read. Yeah. Um. And so if All Star Superman is a ten, I'm going to give this a seven. All right. All right. That's not a bad rating at all Superman compared rating. to that. Superman that's a rating. great. That's a great rating. Um. Alan. Also, I've been realizing we've been saying Alan Moore, Alan Scott. How does that make you feel? Alan's going on. A lot of people call me Gomez. You can call me that. Great. Uh, So I think because I didn't read enough of the rebirth stuff that led into Doomsday, and so it didn't quite answer a lot of the stuff that other books have kind of set up, Mm -hmm. that kind of hindered it for me just a little bit uh so i'd probably say it was 6.5 um because there was a lot of heights but then there was a lot of slow parts that kind of dragged on for me but overall i really did enjoy it awesome awesome okay that leaves me with my rating and i think i'm the highest of all of you i think i give this a solid like 9.2 holy shit that's way Whoa. higher than what i've expected from your output tonight yeah i that's thought, awesome i thought you're oh i did not hate it no i thought it started really uh, i'll change my answer to uh higher yeah <laughs> no i'm saying a seven i'll give I, it I, a no- seven's a great score right? i give it a 9.2 because i think when it comes to number one event books yeah. i think it's on the upper epsilon i would epsilon agree. of event books well, things happen in it which is high I praise <laughs> yeah. whether or not DC was able to stay true um, to like, to it for, for it to have the ramifications. I don't think ramifications make an event book an event book because 
Think about another example of a perfect 10, which is Killing Joke. Yeah. Is Barbara Gordon still in a wheelchair? Not anymore. Is Joker still alive? Yes. Yeah. And so it's like, all right, that can still coexist. Did you just... Cameron. What? Are you my favorite person in the universe right now? Am I alluding that Batman killed Joker at Are the you? end? Are you? Is that what yes. Because you, you just blew right through that. That's the take. Killing Joke is about Batman killing Joker. Yeah. Not everybody believes me. Yeah, no, it definitely is. It's 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 the it's, hmm. it's I feel it's like I need the, to revisit something. It's called the killing joke for a reason. <laughs> is the killing joke and then and then like you know I'd who say else get killed? Who else gets killed? I'd also allude that um uh Barbara Gordon's innocence gets killed in a very explicit Alan Moore oh, way. Sure. That is alluded to, and yeah. that's I'm not can't, can't 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 do an Alan Moore book without that. Except top ten. Top ten doesn't have any <laughs> Which of, is the best doesn't have case any scenario. of that. None of that in top ten. Um that's so I'm not, that's not so funny, but <laughs> for the point you're making anyways, um, yeah, g- give that a reread. <laughs> but, uh, I think, I think as a DC event and also too, like genuinely the, the, the Atlas of this book is Gary Frank. And I, and I still believe for modern DC artists the, and, and to Brad Anderson's credit too, who is one of the best colorists in the game and didn't, and didn't do the obvious, you know, yeah. he could have made it all purple, green, yellow. Yeah. Um, and he didn't do that. He didn't do two dimensional. Um, but it still felt like Watchmen to me. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know enough about color to know why, but, um, whatever they did, I think worked. Yeah. And, and I, there was, there's such a Dave Gibbons about Dave Gibbons about it all. The nine panel grid was really well done. Um, and it all culminated together. It just, it, it was, it was a legacy book, which I think is more important than it being a Watchmen book, which which is true to, to who DC is. Actually, now that I think about it, do you think naming it Doomsday Clock DC Initials I was on purpose? Yeah, I, I just that, yeah, I 100% the, think that's on purpose. Yeah. That is, uh, I love that. So, I think I could change my score to at least a 7 now after great. hearing your argument. I think I got to ask you, though. So you did 9.2? Yeah. Are all of your scores 9s? They're just either 9.1, 9.2, 9.2. No, 9.2, there's 9.2. a couple. You know what? For for to, to give you more context, I thought Jeff Johns, I think I gave a 6.5 to um, Three Jokers. I didn't like it very much. Okay. Uh, but also, reading comics is fun, and Jason Pavic's art and that is amazing. Yeah, Jason, three, comic books is fun. Yeah, Read, like literally. Hey, that's what it says on my Instagram. Comics yeah, are fun. Comics are fun. are fun, and so and I had a I had a fun time. I was like, oh my gosh, the big splash page of all the JSA members coming back because I just think that is a team that has been underserviced, and yeah. I just want to see all of them. Yeah, like I think because it also it, it touched all corners of the DC universe. Yeah. You know, we we had Shazam in there. We had like. I think I'm pretty sure there's Geoforce in here somewhere. Yeah. You know, we had a. Uh, I want to say the original. Who's the villain? Of, Rocket Red. Right, some Russian yeah. characters. Yeah, yeah, Rocket Red's in there. Oh, what's his face? Uh, uh, Manhunter, yeah. but like the Ninja Manhunter look. Yeah. Did like, I miss that? He's in there. Pretty sure he's you in know, here. That's okay. No, <laughs> we. I'm. I'm gonna right, read the, the whole thing, start yeah, to finish, right, right now. Yeah, right. Uh, I know. I know it's been long, and you got to stop it. It's but great. We, we didn't talk about the show at all, and I just really quickly wanted to say. Um, the book Watchmen the show yeah Oh, yeah. I, I think the HBO show is fantastic it and I, is and amazing it, it, if you're asking me what things are actually like to me as a person who's a huge fan of the original Watchmen series what things are like worthy like of the Watchmen thing going and playing in that sandbox actually the HBO show yeah. is the thing that really did that I think it explored modern issues in the same context and 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 in fashion that the original uh, watchman did in a construction uh, deconstructionist way whereas doomsday clock again i think we've all kind of agreed at this point um no, didn't do that at all if anything it used it as a trap it did it as a misdirection uh it did it to rather than deconstruct anything to construct things to affirm um uh what what people think is the beating heart of the dc universe mm-hmm. so but I just want to talk about the show because I thought the show was really good. Yeah, <laughs> the show was amazing. I loved it. And Regina yeah. King was amazing in it. Yeah. Like, dude, the Sister Knight character. Yeah. Oh, love. Yeah. So cool. Uh, I thought it was excellent. Okay. Yeah. Also, we didn't talk about, but I need to give Matt prop, mad props. They also put in the Legion of Superheroes. We had Saturn Girl. Two like, of there, the most yeah. un, un uh, overlooked teams in the DC Universe that are two of the most historical, like, foundational teams. So... Love, love, love that. No, I didn't see it. What's his face? Ninja Manhunter. Maybe that's. I'm sure he's in there somewhere. You're probably right. Uh, Yeah. Uh, It could be on the cover. Anyways, thank you guys so much for reading this. It was such a good, I I feel like it was such a good conversation about it. Let's do it again. We will. We will. Um, All right. So Ryan, tell us where we can find you on social medias or whatever for Pulp Fiction or. I reside here at the Pulp Fiction Long Beach location. Um, 
And uh, most of what we do, I think, is probably through Instagram. So yeah. go, go follow us on Instagram at uh, Pulp Fiction Long Beach. Um, Godzilla Day, very far from Watchmen stuff. I don't know when this is going up, but we're doing Godzilla Day on Saturday, August 6th. We're going to have a killer murderer's row of artists here oh, uh, right. uh, doing awesome kaiju stuff. Um, so do not miss it. I'm going to have a bunch of graphic novels here on Super Sale and some goodies that I brought back with me from G-Fest. So. You know what? Actually, I thought about Ryan at San Diego Comic-Con because you know what book was nominated for an Eisner? Your pick last time you were on, Ultra Mega. Yeah! Was it really? I didn't even know It was nominated for Eisner's. an Eisner. What did it get? Like Best New Series it was or like, something? It was nominated. I don't think it won, but Best Independent. That's and I fine. think it lost out to Nice House on the Lake. Uh, nice House on the Lake is pretty fucking good. Yeah. Um, so. But it's fine. Uh, um, Ultra Mega. I'm going to have a lot of Ultra Mega copies to sell people. Sorry. Good. I'm good, good, good. <laughs> yeah, you, he'll sell you on that because it still has to be gnarly. Um, uh, where can we find you, Alan? Uh, find me on Instagram at Casual Comicer. C O M I C K E R. Yeah, I repost them a lot. I repost uh, Pulp a lot too. I also buy a lot from Pulp via Instagram. And it's, yeah, me too yeah, can now. I just, can, I, can, I, can, I, can I say what happened? Yeah. When we were supposed to do the recording before. Oh, yeah, go for That's it. Okay. <laughs> this is our second time trying okay, this so one. Okay, so we were actually supposed to do this before I went to Chicago, but uh, Cameron forgot something. I'll just say Cameron forgot something. Cameron um, forgot the microphones. Mike. But just to, to your point, though, at spending money here, I, Cameron's like, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, you're here to pick up your books, though, still, right? Oh, you're yeah. Like, yeah, I'm like, That's fine, man. Yeah, <laughs> I got You spent a spend, couple hundred you, bucks. You come that here night. to spend money. That's all I care about, I man. Literally That's dropped, all, we're good. Brian <laughs> stayed late, and Cammy dropped, literally, I think, about four. 400 bucks on comic yeah, books no, so week. you took on that neil adams uh uh superman Su- uh, cover yeah the most classic you know i heard i read or i watched an interview he hates that cover yeah whatever neil Which, Ad- can neil adams also recolored his shit and made it look like dog shit garbage yeah. rest in peace you're in heaven that's fine oh, i'm sorry neil adams all, you know, rights, yeah. all, all that kind of stuff you're amazing you're a legend all those things all respect all respect and, and due to you however i hate your i hate your new coloring and your new <laughs> i hate it did so you much. like fantastic four antithesis at least yeah actually i did that was um, a great last jump well that's him. because mark wade wrote it and he, <laughs> he's my favorite of all time Talk about a DC Universe writer. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Kingdom Come. He's Thank back. You very much. World's finest. You ever think you'd see World the day? Finest. Mark Wade back in the saddle of DC Comics? I'm like, all right, maybe I'll see Mark Wade at the saddle of Superman, maybe. the number one title he's destined to write. Maybe, anyways, maybe. anyways, anyways, anyways. Uh, you guys, make sure to like and subscribe. There's a little bonus for you. Uh, like, subscribe, uh, leave a rating and review uh, at Cameron Reads Comics on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. We'll see you guys next time. See ya.